Right, so, Shoto, in the lab, we'll, I don't know, we'll call it in the lab talks or something, <laughs> who knows, but I am, I am, <laughs> I'm graced with the presence of Nurture Beats head honchos, Spindle and Sam Cam. So how are we doing guys? How you doing man? Alright, so, very well, thank you sir. We've been through, we've already been through a lot of actual really tasty stuff uh, while setting up, so, um, but we will cover some of that um, over again. Um, so, like I said, I don't want this to be too formal at all, but um, to begin with, obviously we've got a lot of people out here who probably you may not know who you are at all, may not even know about the label, so it's a good opportunity for people to, you know, yeah. obviously get to learn who you are and what you do, so I don't know who wants to start first. I'm easy. Uh, um. <laughs> right. um, well, I'm DJ Calm, or Calm as a producer. That's Craig Spindle, DJ Spindle. We write tunes together. We have done, I think we started writing tunes together about 2010, roughly speaking. Obviously, both of our careers go back further than that. You know, like I started in the sort of mid to late 90s um, getting productions together and my first release was a remix that came out in 1998. I actually have the, the CD of the finished mix here. That was the, the CD I recorded it to. <laughs> Real thing. Yeah, and uh, that was um, a release on Federation Records as a remix of Flying Fish who were associated with Good Looking Records and had released on an offshoot good looking records because they kind of did funk slash solely beats and stuff like that and I did a drum and bass remix for them okay. and that was my first ever release I remember Randall played it at Movement and it got a reload it got several reloads at Movement shouts to Randall was a big, yeah shouts to Mr. Randall so, for putting me on the map because that really got um, some good attention mm -hmm. and then uh, my first single after that uh I gave it on a DAT to Chemistry Storm, which is why I don't have the DAT anymore. Because <laughs> they got it. I, well, I mean, I gave it to Storm. I don't know what, what ever happened to the DAT, but I know it found its way to Goldie because Goldie then played it on New Year's on Kiss in New Year's 99. Right. Was, wow. On, on, a, on a live, yeah, on a live New Year's Eve Goldie live mix. Was that, pre or, was that pre or post uh, Pirate Kiss? Oh, that was, it was commercial by right, then. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was commercial by I then. Can't, I can't like, remember the date when it changed, but yeah, all right. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it, you know, that, I think, it, it, what, Craig, what year did Chris go commercial? It was like wasn't it? early 90s. Right. 80s to early 90s. Could have been late 80s, yeah. Could have been late 80s, 89 or something like that. There was another station with Kiss that was a big famous pirate that was doing the same sort of stuff. But Kiss blew, yeah. Mm. They got the light. Kiss blew up. And then by that point, there was the station to check. That's where we were hearing, um, you know, Fabio and Groove Rider were doing shows on Kiss at that time. I Brian D, Frost Hype. Yeah. You, you, you were looking in to, to hear the, the fresh dubs. That show was legendary from there. Who show yeah, was that? Yeah, Frost Show, man. Like, 
fun to check well, with us. Yeah, because we, we, we were taping that every every show that he did. If he was on yeah. every week, we were taping yeah. it. Yeah. That was where you're going to hear the dubs. 100%. Right. Okay. That's where yeah. you heard like all the tunes, man. I'll give you an example. I bought Shadow Boxing, the original, which, which everyone was waiting for anyway. Right. That week, Ross had the remix. And we had already waited like about a year. <laughs> so everyone's like, yeah, I've got my... Frost is playing the VIP. No way. <laughs> yeah. and, and same, you know, like Hard Noise by Dillinger, there's a, a break yeah. remix which is out any minute now. Yeah, yeah. Um, on Valve, Valve is coming back. Yeah. Uh, that week, I heard Randall play that on Kiss. And then I was like, Randall was saying, these are hitting the shops Friday. So you bet, man, I was there with my backpack hitting every shop <laughs> till I caught up with the delivery van and got one real talk. I wasn't wasting any time. I was listening to it on my headphones on my Sony Walkman trying to find it recorded yeah, show so on the way to the onto the record shop on the way to the shop like you know chomping at the bit to get my hands on that fresh Dillinger man do you know what I'm saying that, that tune was flames I was just like do you know oh what record God, shop that was it would have been either Section 5 or Black Market and then like me and Craig often talk about if you missed it if you missed the shipment up Black Market you'd nip round the corner to Sister Ray because sometimes <laughs> they'd have just got theirs so you'd get what you missed there you know what I mean so if you like you had to be quick though you'd be like oh shit I missed it and then yeah. run round the corner and try and catch up that's dedication that. also, for real you have to shout out Sandman at Section 5 because he hold things back for me a lot of times and Ash Attack of course at Black Market who, who often held things back for me and, and sorted me out as well. Nice. As well as Nicky and Ray, you know, I mean, I remember even Ray Keith. One time I brought him a record that he wanted to a gig, which is another connection which I should explain probably that I, I started to become associated with Full Cycle and Ronnie and Chris. So I, I had a remix of um, a, a, a Ronnie track that Ray wanted. I gave it to him and the next time I saw him Black Market, he pulled out a big bag of tunes and just gave me the whole bag for free. <laughs> he was that hype that I got, I bought him this fresh TP to his gig. He was right. just like, he gave me this fat stack of tunes for free. No way. So they were always real safe, really, man. And um, we had mad good times back then. But yeah, but then so when Goldie obviously played that on Kiss, that was like the biggest moment. I felt like I was doing something big. You know, because I had a, a record coming out and it was early. It wasn't even on test press when he played it. Right. He played it on the, and then the test press was like a couple of weeks later. And that was my first one. I had the rubber stamper with my telephone number on it. <laughs> and I stamped up the records <laughs> and passed them out. Nice. And I got some vibes back. And then, like we was talking about, started to get this is International DJ Magazine. That's an EP on my label that got the top tune. Honours, okay. five stars in, in International DJ Magazine. I got four out of five for a solo thing I did on a Bristol label with Dagger. And that's another essential five out of five from the Mixed Mag Magazine I was telling you about. I like how you've got edition. all these in a binder as well. It's pretty sick. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm going on serious, man. Like, you know, I've got binders. i got binders for days, bro. I've got more binders down here as well. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I'm keeping them. I mean, even like I get mad about it you see the nurture beats flyers all right yeah yeah i've got those carefully you know i kept all the memorabilia man i actually love it i used to have greg would tell you my old fat i used to have one of those massive cork boards where i stapled in everything that 
everyone gave me like I went to I've still got these bits I don't know where exactly they're in a box down here or something but I went to a Sonar Music Festival in Barcelona I bumped into Groove Rider and Optical mm. Okay. And Groove, Groove Rider gave me his pass so I could get anywhere in the Olympic arena. <laughs> it was jokes. I was running around everywhere. I ran. I bumped into Laurent Garnier, and, and he, Laurent Garnier. I'm, I'm not. I could be making this up. I swear now, but it, you won't even believe it. It's real. I was on the beach in Sonar Festival where they're having this um, outdoor element of the event, Dubai. Yeah. And Lauren Garnier is playing an eclectic set, not even a drum and bass set. And he pulls out my record and plays it on the beach. Right? And I went up to him and I went, that's me. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, you a DJ Carmen? And I was like, yeah. And he brought me for him. That's where I met Optical and, and Ryder. And they gave me their passes so I could stay about. They, they seemed so unimpressed. I remember that. They were just like, yeah. I was like, damn, this is cool, man. I can't believe you guys are unimpressed with this. This is the so beach in the... Yeah. They just seemed like just so, you know, blasé about it. Right. But it was dope because actually at the time, Virus was at number five, Test Press. And and I had had gas mask on dub plate because I knew Optical then. Mm. And I asked him, has that Test Press come, come out yet? Is it there? And he reached out pulls out test press of gas mask and gave it to me nice so I've got his one with his writing on it wow from then yeah I got a bunch because I, I got more as well, so, but I still got the one optical gave me with his own handwriting on it which is sick and I, I, I still got some dubs that they they gave me that never come out right you know so uh, I've got a shout out Ed Rush and optical as well there you go alright yeah, um, so Okay then, so I guess we move on to you, Craig. I guess, yeah, I guess, I guess best way we'll, we'll do this is we'll kind of go through your history and then we will get to the point of where you two meet and and then how yeah, things yeah. happen from there. That so, sounds okay. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. So I sort of got into like the whole scene, as it's still called, when I was very young. Just of an older sort of like peer group. So I got obsessed with like you know like flyers, tape packs. And there was a local record shop down there every Saturday for the new flyers. This was like 92. So that was like the the hardcore era. Yeah. Like every kid then, my wallpaper was flyers, Ray flyers and tape packs. And then I got into the whole pirate radio and then obviously DJing come with that. So I, I wanted to be a DJ from very young, like 10 years old. Didn't actually get round to messing about with it till I was about 12. Mate had decks, a little legend in the area. Big up Troy. So he sort of like taught me how to mix and stuff. Mm. Then from there, I got into like the pirate radio. And then from 13, I got my first decks. I had to get a paper round. Save up to him. That was the deal with my dad. Yeah. You buy them because I don't want that in my house. He thought, yeah, that would put me off getting them. But no, I got a paper round when I got <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I started at 13, and then this is a crazy story. Uh, I was in an older peer group, which included Kendo, R.I.P., Renegade Hardware Artist. All oh, right, yeah. Died. Yeah, so he was like my older friend, uh, like a big brother sort of thing. And he was like already blowing up as an MC, like he was on hardware, T.O. parties, 
So I saw, he had a studio in his um, gardens. His dad had a band. So I used to do mixtapes up there and stuff. One day I brought one into school and we had one of those cool sort of RE teachers that let you do what you want sort of things as long as you do the work right. and play tape us. So he's playing it. Then one day he was like, what's this tape played? It's really good. I was like, it's me. He's like, what do you mean? He goes, it sounds really professional. Because it's me and my friend. My friend's MC and I'm mixing the tunes. He's like, come and meet me after school. I want to discuss something with you. I was like, but I'm in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to name MCRB. I'm not going to name the teacher in case he's still in. Something to put my butt. But it turns out he was a he was a bouncer at Warning. Right. You know the big Cambridge. Right. And he was like, they do a party for kids. I'm not promising you nothing, but I'm going to pass the tape on to the promoter. Right. Anyway, the promoter really loved it. He wanted to put me on warning, but he was like, because of the age thing, he put me on an over-16s party. Yeah. Even at the time, it was like 40. But yeah, so my RE teacher, of all things, got me my first gig at um, The Junction in... <laughs> That's pretty sick. Wait, but, tell them who was MC on the tape. It was the photo of Warning. They done a night called Rubber Soul on the side, and they had a jungle room. And yeah, so that was the start of it, really. I, then I got into the whole pirate radio thing, hmm. and I sort of went down the yeah the DJ route rather than production like Sam. So my sort of like history is in like pirate radio and the rave scenes in London, really. Yeah. Playing out from a very young age, though. I was playing in clubs from like the age of 14, 15. It's, it's very bad when you look back on it, but yeah, it's, that's my foundation, man. That's why I'm quite knowledgeable about the scene and stuff. Craig, yeah. who was the MC? Well, obviously, Kendo. Kendo was the MC on your tape, yeah? And he was already doing things with like Clayton hardware and stuff from very young. Yeah, so yeah. Nice. Right, okay. Yeah, I mean... That's, that's it... got a background, the sort of thing. And I you know, obviously led to Rude FM, where I met Sam, and that's where the connection of right. me and Sam Okay, so <laughs> nice transition. Let's go into that then. Yeah. So Rude FM. So Sam was already like an established guy on there when I joined. I joined in about 2006, quite late actually, because I had a, a bit of a gap from DJing as well in right. 2000. Yeah. Got back into it. See, so yeah, I was on Rude from like 2006, met Sam, pretty much hit it off straight away. And then he invited me around for some like studio sessions. And then, yeah, this was born. I was, and I started the party, Nurtured Beats, not long after starting Rude, because Nurtured started as a party. Right. Like 2011-12, me and Sam were making tunes together, and we started the discussion about doing a label. And it weren't till about late 2012, I was like, well, the name and the brand of Nurture is sort of just sitting there. Why don't we just turn that into the label? And then here we are. <laughs> right. Yeah, and it fit well. The, the name Nurture fit because what we it was like the people who were chucking us tunes were like not people had necessarily been heard of they were coming through they were talent that way maybe was unrefined so we were just saying you know make it the make the track a bit longer give the dj a bit more chance to mix with the intro and stuff like that so all of those things collided in a way that nurtured was a natural title for what we were doing as well so that the brand fit nicely like that you know what i mean yeah right Okay. Um, 
years later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what was the first release? Genotype. We got Genotype. He's he's like like been a constant throughout the label from number one to now. Hmm. Yeah, that was the thing. It is an amalgamation of 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 um, doing radio shows. Legends. That was kind of Craig pulling in a favor from someone he knew who was more yeah. established and and was a significant name to help us gain some leverage early. You know what I mean? So big shout to Genotype because that being the first release, it, it gave the the label instant momentum. Whereas we would have had an uphill struggle with these young artists if we hadn't called upon certain people that we knew at points to come through for us you know yeah. so it, it, it amalgamates in that way as well it, it, it's a benefit it benefits from the contacts that we've made throughout the years together in some ways as well in some behind the scenes where we got big up Shane at um, Final because he did lots of early masters and things like that as well hmm. right okay so um in regards to the label, um, and like I said, well, like, I guess we'll go with, um, obviously you talk about nurturing artists. So yeah. mm. let, let's go with who, who, or, or not say who individual actually, because there might be more than one. So which ones would you say have kind of, which artists have you kind of helped the most who have kind of done, you know, the best basically, who's kind of progressed fast and done really well, like through the label, like... Well, yeah. there's maybe not all of them. Maybe you may be able to talk about But go on, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first one and the most probably significant one comes to mind is Kyrus. But more, more so, like when when I met Kirsty in person, because because Craig had introduced me to her on the internet, right. and we had been speaking over AIM. Right. Right. <laughs> been sending me tunes over AIM days. If anyone remembers what that is. This is dry, yeah, exactly. drop box now, isn't it? But yeah, I miss I miss the aim days. I miss the aim days. I missed aim days as well, man. That was a real thing. It but, felt exclusive. Yeah, so you got someone's tour. aim, you were like, I'm in here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it was tune, a big you know. deal. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, absolutely, man. Yeah. So, and, and she was sending me tunes, and we were talking to her, and then I was around at Dexter's house, Chris Dexter, different mm-hmm. music in Ciao. South London. And she was in the manor, so I said, why don't you come and hang out with us? And she did. Uh, I think actually we, we were going out together. We were all going out in a big group to an event. Hmm. It was like a bunch of cuts or something like that. Okay. And um, we were all going to go together. So we, we, we she was going to come around first, but she didn't come around right away. Or, or that's it's even better now. She got chased down the street <laughs> by some dodgy looking people. It's, it's in South London in a in a rowdy time, and it was a, a nasty neighborhood at that time. Not nasty, but you know what I mean, like not the nicest neighborhood, or whatever. Okay. And we, I, I went back to like help her get her stuff. She was going to come out for the evening from a, her gaff, and her gaff was she. It was like she was a student at the time. And it was just like, it was like a bomb site. It was like so messy, man. Like it was just half eaten food, floor, all laundry in the hallway. Her room was like a bomb site. And I was like, you know what? You, you should, you should move out of here and we should all get serious and get a, a, a like, produce a house together. 
Right. You know, like where all of our friends who make music live in a house, it cuts the living costs for us all. And it means we don't have to travel around to make collaborations. Mm. And she was like, if you're serious about that, I'm interested. So then I spoke to other members and me and Simon were the second release on Nurtured. That was um, Carmen Carrera's Late Night Vibes EP, okay, number yeah. two on the label. And so Shut me and up, Simon were working together more at the time. And um, then we decided to pool our resources, as we say, in a house. And we did get a house. And so I think more than nurturing her beats per se, we sort of, she became kind of little sister vibes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she did live in the house with us. So it was me, Simon, and then Kirsty and her mate, Deanna, who is now in the KCDC group. I don't know if you know about that, but that's a thing right. she does with Colette Warren and Charlie Briggs. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's a group that the four girls are doing. That sounds yeah, that the sounds four pretty girls cool, are doing together. All right. Yeah, so it was a fun. It was a fun time. It didn't last very long. We only lived there for a year. Yeah, but it was a fun time, and we did make. I mean, in the build-up to it, obviously we were jamming a lot together. So we made this track, "The Fear," hmm. which came out on a release on Dispatch Limited. It was her first time connecting with. What was that great? Yeah, it was going to be on the Nurture Beats album, and I mastered it. Oh, okay. It was going to be on the brand right, new yeah, world. I mastered a little bit of trivia. Yeah, it was going to be on the brand new world thing. Yeah, I mastered it. Yeah, and then <laughs> Ant hit me up on a phone call and asked me if it could go on Dispatch. Right. As part of another release that we were by then calling ourselves Collective. Yeah, yeah. And other members had, had even joined and left at that point, so it was it was still in its nucleus stages. Hmm. And so. Yeah, we, we, we connected Kirsty to Dispatch and that now was obviously, you know, she's gone on to, to be a regular on the label. And not only that, she actually runs that label with Anna. Yeah. Which is mad. So I feel like we definitely played a part in that. She did an interview on um, Bailey's show where she talks about it. I've still got that recorded. Oh, right. Okay. It was funny. The, the, uh, the fear was about to drop and... Bailey said, have you got any releases coming out? And she was like, I'm not sure. I don't think so. And <laughs> she, she forgot that her first release on Dispatch was dropping the following Monday. No way. <laughs> Which is classic. But yeah, her and Bailey did pick it up, so they didn't totally think There is. Um, there are. Not that we're going to sit here and take the credit, because obviously these, these kids have talent to begin with, otherwise we wouldn't have messed with them. But it just seems most people in our foundation years have gone on to become big artists. So mm. we've obviously yeah. got here for the... Well, let's Hieroglyphics. Hieroglyphics, Mystic State. Obviously, um, Release yeah. introduced us to you. That's how yeah. we know you. Yeah. Um, no, dumb. Who else? Um, Interline yeah, was on his... He decided Interline? To, but he's packed it in. Hopefully, he comes back because that kid had talent. Yeah, yeah, no, Interline. Mystic State. Yeah, Mr. State. State gone on to do things to get good support. They dropped like a dubstep thing no. not that long ago, didn't they? I was yeah, like, they yeah. It threw me, but it was good. It was good, but I just wasn't expecting it at first, and I was like, oh, this is all right. All right, cool. It I actually cool. I think it was really yeah. good. Yeah. But yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's, 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 there's like a bunch more as well. Um, and I, yeah, just as Craig says, it's not like we necessarily nurtured everyone that 
came into the fold. It, it, it's at that point we built the momentum where, you know, we, it has to be said it was in conjunction with the party. The party was going well. Yeah. So all of these forces combined that, that brought all these people into the fray, you know, and the Tefa Arcos people, you know, all these other people kind of yeah. gravitated to what we were doing. And, and you know, where we, we felt we needed to, we've always stepped in and tried to give them advice or whatever, but also let people be what we think they need to be. Where if they're good and they know it and they're on the right wavelength, then you part of nurturing them is not <laughs> messing with the program too much and just letting them do their thing. Yeah. So, so we did a bit of that as well, you know? And uh, it's always been like, uh, you can't, force the feel you can feel the force do you know what I mean <laughs> so you you, you well, can't yeah. uh, uh, the rude FM shows was a factor as well because that was another basis of doing the label like my show on a Friday for some reason it just became this show for showcasing talent like people like early days it was like this guy called Diamond Eye big up who I did want to be a big part of the label but then he went down the techno sort of route right. just at the time we were starting the label. So. Well, I think he's back now. He's, he's dabbling, so maybe we'll we'll see that one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, I was just my show. It was just like this show where I was getting sent like loads of tunes from these unknown artists, and that sort of was like the basis of doing nurtured. I was sitting on all these sort of tunes from people that should be out there but wasn't. Right. Like, even Don Ridgeway was one. We never did get round to doing a release with Don, but. At the time, I remember he was a guy that was just sending me folders and folders of tunes. And yeah, so that, like, the radio show was a big part of starting Nurture as yeah. well. The, reader. the radio show was a big thing for us both, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. had, like, people like Michael yeah. Incognito who went on to do Cyberfunk and yeah. and other things as well. I did, is we had kind of parallel shows. He did Friday, 8 till 10. I did Saturday, 8 till 10. So we kind of had the, the weekend on lock and he would come through after his show and jam at my gaff. Yeah. He might even stay at my gaff and then come back up to the show with me on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then we, we might even stay all night on a rush hour thing at Rude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we, we'd end up getting back at five o'clock in the morning and we'd been playing tunes all, all weekend, basically. Yeah, no, that's so pretty sick. It became, yeah, it became a mad thing. We even had, you know, we can talk about it now, or we even had the aerial was in my flat. <laughs> <laughs> they had a link box that went from the studio to my flat. And then we built this cupboard unit with the aerial on top. And then inside it had a fake cupboard that you opened instead of pulled out the drawers. And inside that was the mixer and all the controls. We always broadcasting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that's how deep. That's how deep it went. It really came from my actual flat. These in there, guys, ago. they don't Craig know the struggle now, do they? Eh? They do don't know what we went through. Greg used to say to me, Sam, you're going to get pinched. You're going to <laughs> you're gonna go down for the radio. <laughs> you know? And it was it, it was a real thing. It was We took risks, you know? Yeah. We, it made a difference. There's some crazy pictures from around that time as well. People in the gaff, there is pictures of Kirsty making tunes at my house mm. and my flat was a mad spot because you know it was perfect for Craig he could hit the radio turn around the corner come back a little ways and he was at my my gap so <laughs> you know it was it became a stopover point I remember Craig brung through um, 
Vega from Rough House. Vega from Rough House, yeah, also came through in those days. Right. <laughs> Hydro used to live on my couch. <laughs> yeah, man. Lots of deep, mad, mad vibes. It was a crazy area, actually, that bit of North London around the Turnpike Lane. Down there, producer-wise, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had the road down from me was Stabber. The road up from that was Fracture and Neptune. Right. Then a little ways up from that house, there was Alex Perez, Zero T, FD. MC Stamina, FD. What? Freddie FD. What and, happened? Um, did you all just like? Did you all just have a forum and just be like, accident. all drum bass producers just need, to need to be around here? I don't know. It, it, it honestly is a mystery to this day. It was just like a coincidence. It was That's just like a coincidence. Like, I wonder, sort of like how Bristol is now. Like everyone lives in yeah. Bristol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was well, a lot like that. And I used to go to Bristol back in the day. So I, I can say genuinely, I walk around the corner. There used to be this like karate dojo. Right. Right. It's, this is a weird story. It's getting weirder now. But there used to be this karate dojo. It was a Turkish karate dojo. A Turkish karate dojo. Yeah, where they had a, a bar. It was like a bar, okay? All right. And you could go upstairs in that bar and you could buy certain things that you would need to make certain kinds of cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Particularly green cigarettes, if you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, and yeah. I used to see them all there all the time. I used to see Fracture there, all, <laughs> all people from that house. There was just like a stone's throw from that house. And that house was a madhouse. That was the one with Perez and Zero T and Stamina. There was like five producers in this one big house. And then I used to see them always there. They were always, one of them was coming out of the, <laughs> the coffee shop, <laughs> cafe bar, wherever it was right. upstairs. They, they were amazing times actually, because everything was very accessible and local. And there was, you know, there were friends around the corner. I remember Fracture had his um, exit, like, it was called Dawn Day Night. It was a thing that he was doing on exit. It was like a launch party okay. at the pub. I lived on the um, St. Anne's Flats. And then the Salisbury Pub was on. <laughs> huh? There used to be raves in that pub. Yeah, yeah. There was <laughs> Fracture's launch party. For, the yeah. exit launch party was in this pub that was adjacent to my building. Right. So I, went, I walked out of my building. I walked about... 30 yards, no more than 30 yards. Yeah. I walked into the pub and there was D-Bridge, um, oh man, like all the other members of Bad Company, uh, Verse, SP, um, just like everybody in drum and bass was basically in the pub. <laughs> on the end of my <laughs> it's I a mad The proper old London looking pub, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, proper. And it, it had all these mad types of beer that you <laughs> You could get a decent steak there as well, though, man. It was mean, like, serious. Wow, it was a mad, mad cool time, yeah. I can't imagine, just imagining just a rave in like, a pub in these days just it just seems absolutely insane then again actually, it was weird I, it even though I say that actually it was only a couple of years ago actually where I actually seen one someone someone set one up in Bolton I actually remember now this random pub I've seen like all my life just it's just been, and then someone was just like oh yeah I'm doing a party at, at this pub called the Victoria Inn I'm like literally this was interesting they had um, do you know Trojan Records the dub label yeah yeah the legendary yeah 
Trojan Records had a night there in that same pub. <laughs> I'm not even lying. It's it was, insane. Once a month. We yeah, done once a month. <laughs> we should have done an action day. I wanted to. I tried to, but it was awkward to to, to, to book it in advance and. You know what I mean? They had a little weekly routine or whatever. Right. We really should have. I mean, May had a birthday party once, so it was sick. We, we should have. But we ended up with, at Plan B in Brixton, Plan which B. was a big deal for us because it was yeah. a great spot. Yeah. Yes. So that's a good that's, that's a good actual transition into that. I was just going to ask that. So um, I guess we'll ask kind of, you know, what happened to the Knights, I guess. Um, the parties. Ah, phonics happened to the nights. Yeah, well, Plan B. Yeah, we lost Plan B. The bookings. Hmm. Um, we can't. We don't go in, but we, we we've just found it a struggle to like find a home that we had there. You know, like a home that was yeah. a base, a pub. And we tried venues with similar capacity, even looking the same sound system. Remember, we brung you guys down to North London. But yeah, they, yeah, went to play the show. Didn't, didn't really kick off like it did in Brixton. Maybe like our our base there was a lot of factors. yeah that was the best one the, yeah. the one that you came to was the best one when it tapered off after that it was alright that one there was a few people in the crowd and mm. it was alright night but um, yeah it, it, nothing was the same and like just to clarify we, we lost the booking at um, Plan B because Plan B itself closed down not because anything yeah. was yeah. wrong with what was going on right. Plan B itself closed and in the basement which was the really cool part of the venue ended up becoming the restaurant or something and oh. then they only have music upstairs and it's a bar yeah it's not the same format basically it's not bookable in that capacity and you know they do have music events there but it's much more like mainstream and yeah it's not like anyone can book it and do their own underground party like it was before so what yeah we've done we've been, we've been, we've been bristol a couple of times had a few cool things down there yeah Hereford, also that part of the world. Yeah, that was a big thing, yeah. and we weren't looking to do that before lockdown kicked we in. We were going to do a new one. Oh, okay. Really we were meant to be back in Hereford. Um, Good Friday, just gone, but obviously lockdown. <laughs> lockdown the whole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Well, I was going to ask. Lockdown killed that dream. Party. We've just done them more sporadic. Like we done yeah. one last year, Bayside. So that was pretty cool. That was like our little comeback summer jam. Hmm. Had a few people in that. Um, a side smashed it. <laughs> Big up to him. Yeah. But yeah, we've just yeah we want to find before we like commit to doing them. Well, obviously the world's got to go back to normal as well. Yeah. If it does yeah. <laughs> anytime soon, we want to find that base that we had in Brixton. We don't want to be this party that's moving around. It's moving around. So yeah. it's got to be right. It's got to be the right venue, the, the, the hub we had and the vibe. We yeah. Had. Yeah. It was so difficult to recreate what we had at Plan B because you had the, the tube station being right by the venue mm-hmm. and it being a well-known, well-connected area. People could get there and they were used to going there for drum and bass parties because there were other parties. <laughs> Let's not forget that. We had um, Medica lived in the area. Yeah, and, yeah. that was a big deal. Uh-huh. She did her own party around the corner, so we cross-pollinated the fan bases so those people would come to our party as well right, and okay. well that's what you need you need that kind of community thing kicking off trying to make all of the momentum yourself is a bit of an uphill struggle yeah you need that you know unless you're willing to throw a lot of money at it yeah it can be a bad a bad result 
we were in like a little cohesion of three labels when we first started. We were like doing things with Dexter and Marwok and obviously there's a different music connection. Hmm. But also Bassi from uh, Flex Out was in our peer group back then as well. So us three labels were sort of doing things in that sort of time. Like me and Sam played at Plan B for Tom. He played at a Nurtured. So there was like a little cohesion of labels there that were all... It's sort of like we've all gone our separate paths now and we're doing our own thing, so... Yeah. 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 That's absolutely right. I mean, it is an important one to... You know, Bassie come to my house when he first got to London and I did do a release on Flex Out around that time. There's like a, a Villam and McLeod remix as well of my, my song and Bassie's uh, be a friend in our circle 100%. He was a... It is worth pointing out that their label was five years old when we met him. Pretty yeah. much, I did the five years party at 1001, and that was in the first year of, of getting to meet Tom. So, and he's gone on kind of expanded since then. But we was we were starting out, so I guess like at that moment in time, he had arrived in London, and we were his first kind of London peer group or circle. Mm. And I, I guess that me and Christopher, Christopher had just taken over different from Kaiju who he had assisted in running the label before, but Kaiju moved into dubstep and moved away. I think he even moved to Japan. I'm not 100% sure of that, but right. he, he pretty much distanced himself from different and left everything in, in Dexter's hands. So Dexter was, in a sense, starting out himself, even though different had been around for a minute. Um, it Very was like... Time. Yeah, it was like Bassey was starting in London from having been based up north. Right. Different was starting again under Dexter and he was doing it himself and we were starting out fresh. So well, in some ways we were on the same page. Right. Like, yeah. I think Tom, Tom had plan B for a while. We used to rotate between when we would do it. It was just this whole little like family thing at that time that was yeah sort of and Dexter and Dexter did yeah. a different there I'm pretty sure as well yeah yeah were well, they done the party together with uh, Frequency yeah they done a party together right. yeah we did a party to be fair we did a party within Reach as well one or two parties yeah. within Reach parties within Reach yeah that was another yeah big up them they were another like early part of the the the, the, the yeah, label. Like, yeah. yeah and so, I yeah, still connect with that them. time and that era it was just good good times man to start the label and, and the that party that was 2012 2013 wasn't it Craig 13 14 15 sort of days right yeah yeah okay and 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 yeah I mean, you played at one of those with um with Dom was it yeah yeah me, yeah me and um, me and Dom Dom Millie's played at a uh, Surya which was yeah, no, my mistake. Dom played at one at Plan B when he played with Tefra and Arcos. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I wasn't at one. I, I don't think. I don't think I ever went. To, I don't think I ever went to Plan B. Oh. Yeah, I mix it up because they look they look quite similar. <laughs> the <laughs> there, there was the same kind of sound and everything. There's no reason why say you couldn't have been that. Again, it was close to the tune. We liked it in every sense, but it's just. There's this thing that either a, a venue is a place that people do go for drum and bass, or it's not, and they don't deviate from that. And nobody was able to establish, say, uh, as um, a spot for drum and bass for whatever reason. It just never happened. Yeah. Oh, it went past. How is it closed now? Yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. yeah. Well, I mean, well, okay. Well. I guess I guess what I was trying to get out of that was um, you know where the future of uh, nurtured events uh, are. So so as you were saying, coming back. yeah, coming back. 
yeah, you said you were supposed to be in Hereford, so uh, you'd be looking at that. Yeah, we're going to do something with those guys, and we're kind of working in the kind of cl- cross collaboration vibe until we find a venue. We we were looking at some cool venues in uh, Clapham, wasn't it? There was a Clapham thing, and I, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe we'd even look at something small again now because Arja has. Um, the record shop next door, and we yeah, were we, going to do an in-store actually coming up at, um, at, at Discworld. We were oh, scheduled right. to um, collapse with those, as well. yeah. But obviously, this lockdown has just changed everything for, for the time being. Well, yeah. Future, so we just can't really say, yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. Out music though through this period, like one of my lockdown things. I was going to do like a back catalogue mix the other day. And while I was going through the back catalogue, I was like, oh, sh- sorry, language. Oh, <laughs> it's damn. It is, it is have, okay, don't worry. We haven't followed up, we have followed up archive, archive One. The Archive was um, an album we started to just look back at the back catalogue. So we're at a stage now where we've got like well over 200, maybe even 300 tunes released. Okay. So we can these comps to maybe give people like a chunk of the back catalogue for a cheaper price and maybe you've missed those tunes um, hmm. from yeah that. I do think there's a lot of stuff that people didn't pick up on Archive yeah. 1 out in 2018 that's the history of the era we were just talking about in a nutshell so that on that one you'll find Kyrist Hieroglyphics Tefranarchos yeah and then this one yeah back to what I was saying I was hmm. going to do a, a mix with the back catalogue but it, I decided to follow up Archive 2 because I was like, well, we didn't follow that up. So, yeah, that's what I was doing for this month in lockdown, is compiling that LP and then getting it out. And it's another chunk of our history, but it follows on from that era, sort of like the Plan B era. So this one you're looking at around 2015, 16, and artists like yourself, mm-hmm. uh, Release, I think, is on there. Yeah. Me and Sam. Guys like Martin Nitram, which links up that's our next official release the Nitram single yeah. check that out Bandcamp pre-order mm-hmm. uh, yeah so yeah it's like little these LPs are like glimpses of certain chunks of our history so they'll be time period based so yeah. I won't we have another one now for two three years and then it'll be this sort of era mm. okay yeah cool that's where really yeah we're still putting up music we've got the Martin Nitram single that's coming out on the 22nd following that is Unreal Pro- Project is still the current release Unreal Release Unreal some guys from Colombia um, based in France um, yeah. Ivory is on there and Brain collaborations yeah. check that out yeah it's a good release I supported that on the podcast I think I supported mate, one or two two Big of jobs, man. yeah 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 mate keep giving me good tunes I'll play them that's it <laughs> we, got that. we got that for you Lane from Birmingham, he's got a single out as well that came out a couple of months back. And he's a real bass purveyor. Who's this Blaine, did you say? Slane. Yeah. Slane, sorry, Slane, yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Birmingham bass guy. Right. Um, and after Nitram is Droma, another guy based in uh, Wales, originally from Kent, I think, but he's done a few things in the past for us. Right. And we've got a remix on that, me and Sam. So this would be the first thing me and Sam have done on Nurtured since like fresh thing that isn't a confirmation uh, re-up probably the Cataclysm EP isn't it Sam? 
I think so, yeah. I mean, I've I've, I've featured on there in my own, I did a solo thing on Nexus and I did a remix for Quantum Mechanics. You did the collabs with Youngy and Slippy Skills for the charity album. It was the charity album in that time. Arm and Spindle thing was probably five years though. That's something new. Yeah, when did, when did the, I think the, um, did the Grenfell charity LP. Oh yeah, out. that's right. Trouble, Mr. Porter. So big up those guys. Mm. Yeah, so we did a charity album to support the victims of Grenfell. Yeah. And we're thinking about that actually segues nicely to, we, we're trying to get something together for one of our rosters artists who sadly passed away. I know you know a little bit about that yeah. already. Um, our good friend Adam Akuma who passed away after struggling with mental health and depression issues in his life and we wanted to do something. So I've been digging out my computer and I pulled up a couple of collabs that we made and I found some pre-masters of tracks that he wanted to put out as well. So we're going to make a little release with some music. And I've actually, Craig doesn't even know this yet, but I've spoken to a mutual friend of Crust who's coming out with an album and um, there's a track that me and Akuma made, which is like really Bristol vibes, old school represent vibes. And we're going to get Crust to do a remix of it wow. and put it on the release. So it should have a, a big vibe nice. to, to, to commemorate our friend. And all the proceeds will go to the charity Calm, which is to help people, men with mental health problems and um friend, de- depression and stuff yeah so i mean there's also a kind of peche vibe track and i'm thinking about my, trying to get peche involved as well <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll see crust is a big deal for so far so it would yeah. be nice to have a, a peche on there as well but I mean, I'll, I'll see what i can do basically i'm putting these things together right now i had to excavate the, the project from old software on an old computer, bounce out all the stems one at a time, Ooh. bring them over to the new computer. It's been oh. like archaeology, man. It's been hey, <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun, but it's also been um it's been emotional, man. It's been powerful. No, I can imagine like I said the um, similar for a uh, mate of mine, Wigger. Um, not long ago and they put an album out uh, very similarly as well uh, for him um, which I'll post a link uh, in some in the description of wherever this is um, good call good call man okay um, okay okay cool so I want to touch something just because we were talking about it before and it's kind of it's obviously slightly left field but I think it's really really interesting so before you you jumped in Craig me and Sam were talking about basketball and we just kind of realised that that we were both into basketball and then and then Sam started to go down a history of uh, well it was it was was kind of Hola. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was a kind of pre to how how we how we you know went on his introduction before and um, and how we got into music. So, so do you want to touch back on that, Sam? Yeah, sure. I mean, I was just explaining that the, the two integrated because I loved hip hop culture and um, basketball and hip hop culture were really integrated and synonymous. There was this tournament called 
NBA street ball, which would be like outside NBA hoops. And, you do, you know, there's the tournament prizes and there'd be like hip hop tunes playing. And yeah. I was really big into that, all of that culture. And when I was in the street, I met Fusion, who was like my first DJ culture buddy. And he had a bag of tunes. And I was all like, I know what that tune is. That's a sick tune. And, and he was like asking me about basketball because we had that mutual interest. And Fusion actually became a, a presenter on MTV Bass. Yeah. And um, was a, a, a big producer in his own right. And uh, he made the track Groundbreaker. He gave me my first shout outs on local pirate radio. <laughs> got me open to that, that whole scene. Yeah, exactly. Right. And, you know, I still got the cassette tapes where he shouted me out. Right. I kept them the whole time. No he used to make me mix tapes of new hip hop tunes and he would graph them in biro pen but like his hand skill was just crazy it looks like actual artwork it's wow. sick like I still got those tapes to this day and Fusion was just like a massive influence on me and he he always tried to help me any way that he could he, he even gave me a remix to do of one of his tunes called The Greatest Show which is a which features Shabba Skibbity yeah. MC Debt MCD Scheme and all these people so I've got this crazy remix I did when I was a kid of like all of these artists and tracks and stuff it, it's, it's mad but that that basically meant that the two kind of cultures a bit like I, I'd imagine Craig will tell you about his grafting because that yeah. is interwoven with hip hop and then comes back in a way to DJing and then even to Akuma because we, me and Craig are linked by this guy called Maddie as well who's a big person on the West London graffiti scene, mm. who's all three of us friend, and he's also a rapper, and uh, had this event called um, West London Warehouse Pie. Yeah, he, right. he's brought over great people like Jay Ruler, Damager, um, all kinds of East Coast hip hop legends, MOP. <laughs> Say again? Yeah. People just do nothing. The first time we ever saw them was oh, right. like at Maddie's party. We were like, these guys, and he's like, watch their <laughs> YouTube channel. <laughs> a year later, they were famous, like worldwide. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yes, so we were hanging out with them. Yeah. That was mad. Grinder was MC into Jungle that night. Like, <laughs> it, was, it was proper mad. And all of this happened at the West London Warehouse party. We, and, and part of the thing is Maddie's uh, Craig will show you some of the graph like he's an amazing graph artist and he would do these really funny graphs I remember the favourite one I ever did was when he had Rodney P and DJ Skits come through and he did this lion a Judah with the um, flags and stuff I got a picture of that somewhere in my on, on my wall which of my Facebook which is sick um, but he would always do a funny one. He did a really funny one for the... He did the People Just Do Nothing logo yeah. and then flipped all kinds of silly name brand logos and stuff. Like, oh, I think I did see that, actually. Cool. Yeah, I think I did see that. No, that. Yeah, that was not like the best example of how skillful he is. That, that was like a little jokey one he done. But yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a joke one. I think he even maybe did it badly so it looked more of a joke. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, if you see like he's someone that Craig showed me again the other day, I'd seen it before. The Rick and Morty. It's yeah. like it's actually the animators that did the it. Funny it, fun, it. Um, I find it with the MPC drum machine as, as one of the letters, and he's sprayed the machine like if you could play the machine, you could start playing drums on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like that. He's amazing, man. Maddie's amazing, and um, it's all bizarrely linked as well because his sister is Charlotte Kakuti, who's a vocalist who performs on Crust's tracks. Right. Wow. Yeah, on Rebel Instinct, and there's Need for Mirrors remixes of her track with Crust. So it's a small world, man. Like, everything's connected. There's even other links, though. Like, I know Maddie through Graph CBM. That's a Graph group. Right. And the reason I know Kendo is because of graph when like, I got into graph before I knew about drum and bass when I was like really young 10 and Kendo was a writer in the area right uh, so I knew Kendo through graph and CBM that was the crew he was in and now Sam's saying like all the links with Maddie I've just realised now it's it's so mad how it's all linked <laughs> <laughs> yeah that even NBA know? street ball street yeah. culture graffiti DJing all of this pirate radio all of these things yeah, are consistent radio. as we come up and they link us all together you know what I mean it's insane they, it is it's <laughs> mad but it's really cool yeah no without even a doubt to this day. without a doubt without a doubt okay then so isolation how are we coping? PS4. PS4. No, I was in that zone about a week ago, and I still am, I'm not going to lie. Like, last night, I decided to start that new program, Gangs of London. I keep, hearing, I keep hearing about it. I've not... I started it, and I was like, this is all right. And in the second one, I still thought, oh, it's, it's a bit meh. But then, like, four in the morning, I'd watch five episodes. So <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But yeah, um, but that's sort of like last week. I was like, all I'm doing is sort of like lazing about, like treating it like a holiday. So I was like, I'm going to do a back catalogue mix. Yeah. And that's when I like, got my head in to like do the album, just comply the album. Yeah. It's a bit, a bit more of a positive thing I've done this month is release some music. And instead of just fucking just sitting up really and treating it like pressing time yeah which, which is for everyone like especially like people like myself I live alone so big up everyone isolating alone it's hard yeah <laughs> yeah definitely but yeah you just gotta um, I know man just keep things to keep your head busy and don't let it get to you we're all in it together at the end of the day I think <laughs> everyone what, 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 what are you showing us Sam are you showing what you've been doing in isolation you've been going for your tune yeah man like to me isolation is like heaven <laughs> able to finally digitize all the records I love oh is that what I, you've been doing that's what I'm saying okay. little things keep yeah, yeah 100% like I've been digging through the crates finding old things and um, pulling out old dubs cleaning them up recording them um, going through the old hard drives here I got loads of old hard drives and, and then I'm supposed to be finishing off this remix which I uh, Craig's been reminding me to get on with and uh, now I need to do it yeah, that's, um, but that's I got my new chair now so I'm more comfortable in it and like <laughs> I, I, can, I can take it easy and get bang on the beats again so that's, that's what he was waiting for Craig he was waiting for the new chair to be able to do it I can't finish the remix without my new chair 
can't, I can't, I can't be in the zone. And you, when you're in the new chair, it's like, oh, this isn't work. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so <laughs> then I got um, a collab EP that I done with uh, another mate of mine, Rob from InReach. That I'm trying to get together, like finish off. It's basically finished. I've been procrastinating for a while. Like I said, I got four tracks of my own. I got this remix with Craig. Um, and me and Craig are going to get back on some beats. I mean, I was clicking through the, the hard drive and finding old drafts and things that we did. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll, we'll pull something out of the... the really early session. I found that the other day. Like, all the vocals are backwards, so she sounds Russian. Yeah, that's a mad one. I did listen to that. I found that as well. We, we, found, we, we did some mad stuff. I mean, remember, that there was that little um, Turkish... Uh, martial arts dojo with the upstairs bar right around the corner from where me and Craig were so oh, yeah. some of our early sessions are a little bit <laughs> experimental <laughs> if you know what I mean like uh, yeah. that one is definitely one of our more experimental ones uh, <laughs> I think you know but it was um, I'm not going to say what but we, we sampled a Jay-Z record and that was yeah, sort of the yeah. start of being new sort of kicking off the yeah we called that zoning I think which, yeah. I really like that tune I really like that tune I don't know how yeah. we call it because well, that is an old one like that might that might be 10, 11 that could be maybe earlier maybe 9, 10, 11 something like that it was it was an early one and I uh, I don't know where the session is I, 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 like I said I got tons of old hard drives so yeah. I could keep going for days digging through all of these <laughs> old hard drives here well, you're saying that you're but, loving it like, yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. Isolation doesn't feel weird to me. I was talking about it with MC Stamina right. from V Records. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm isolated all the time. <laughs> he's like, self-isolating is my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> you actually get a chance to get something done. And it's true. I mean, there's no element of You've just highlighted how bad I actually look. <laughs> I need a shave, man. <laughs> Look for grooming kits. You'll more yeah. likely find them than uh, than uh, hair clippers. But yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean, get the Mac free out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a whole buzz cut. Like, my, yeah, my I, that, I yeah. found my clippers the other day, but they're 20 years old. They'll probably cut my head open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that, that I, might not be good. I had Carlton's haircut. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the vibe. Whenever you do it, make sure you post it on Facebook because otherwise it's not real. It's not happening. All right. Sure. I mean, yeah, I've been doing similar stuff, really. I mean, what I really need to do is I need to actually be where I am, but actually making tunes instead. Uh, (laughs) But I don't know. My my creative mind's just been flowing, and it's just like I'm creating the podcast. Yeah, while you're here, it's been a while since we've done a shot of a single. I know, exactly. (laughs) I've got got a couple bits lying around, but I don't know. I think I'm at that point where I'm just kind of like, it needs more of this, and then I'm just probably not doing anything with it. So I might just, yeah, I might just get a few things and just send them you, and then, like, at the very least, you might just say, you know, do a bit of this, do a bit of that, you know. But I, I guess I'm just that. absolutely, man. Sometimes all you need is to have someone else listen Sorry, over and give you that objective that confirms or kind of sets at ease your mind on certain things, you know. Yeah. As soon as other people hear it, then you, you, your opinion is an opinion that you trust. You know, someone you, you trust their opinion, and then you you can get like that 
confirmation that maybe you were worrying too much that, that can be all it is you know what i mean like uh we all self-analyze and scrutinize too much yeah and that's maybe. probably one of the main things that we've done down the years if we have done things for people we've said it sounds good what are you talking about <laughs> that's what you know that's what you say to a lot of artists you say what are you talking about? They're like, I think I need to do another 55 mix downs. And you're like, no, you don't. It sounds really good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just yeah, I'll, I'll get it. I mean, to be honest with you, it's just case of obviously I've got a little lad now, so it's like limited time, and I've just been doing every other thing. I've been, I mean, I'm staying cre- I'm straight, uh, creative and uh, constructive, but it's just lots of random different things. It's just not all the same one thing. Uh, so sometimes that's good though, man, because like monotony, there's nothing kills creativity like monotony. And I know what you mean about managing time and being little bubbles or capsules of time that you have. Because I've been that way, being very busy this year, doing a master's degree mm. and being a teacher and working at a university as a teacher and all this. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. But I think that it is good to mix it up. And like Craig's got back on doing a, a monthly mix. Yeah. She's doing from home. And those kind of things. I'm thinking about doing a series of old school mixes where I mix my favorite artists and just their music for an hour. Yeah. And I like pull out gems that I think that people don't know by them. And, and you know, I mean, all of that is important because like when I listen to the old records, I feel like they make my new records better because that the richness that they have informs the way I should make music now. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I think all, all of these disciplines, doing a podcast, getting to talk to people or learning some history again or getting inspired or whatever, all of these things actually do help. Yeah. And it's not like you're not giving time to one. It's like when you come back into the production, you'll come in feeling fresher and more energized. Sometimes when you make it like a grindstone, that's when it gets stagnant and you can't move with it. You know what I mean? No, I say I completely agree. I completely agree. Okay. Uh, I am You're doing con- good, man. You're doing good. Nah, cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. So I am conscious of the time. I'm sure we all want to eat and like do stuff. So couple, a couple more things. So just... Uh, one one thing in regards to the label have you got any advice you could give for anybody who's you know who might think about starting something up because obviously the way you 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 can start a label now to my knowledge is a lot different to how it may have been when you started so uh and once again once you say is that some people might think oh well i want to do it but i don't know it might be hard and i don't know who i need to talk to and what have you so do you have any just any yeah any tidbits any tips or anything you think any gems you could leave for anyone out there well, ever if you're passionate about this music and you've got stuff there that you want to release now's the time more than ever that you can do it yourself mm. I mean there's all these tools there you've got Bandcamp that I'd advise people maybe start off from there to test the water and maybe build a bit of um bit of revenue for the label to then take it to the next stage because what we done we jumped in like jumped in at the deep end but luckily we had a big artist to start with but we did find like um even to this day we're, we're in we're in the the red a lot so i'd advise people to be a bit cautious don't come into it thinking about money and things like that you gotta have the passion for the music so i'd advise people now more than ever it's easier to do but maybe start off on something like Bandcamp, mm-hmm. build your fan base up and then make that leap because it's so easy to do now you can get in touch with a distributor they'll handle all the uploads and stuff so if you want to do it yeah now's the time more than ever but i'd advise people maybe like test the waters a bit first yeah. build yourself up 
something like Bandcamp and you're in control of all that revenue then to then build your label up to where you want, want to take it to the next stage, maybe do a party, hmm. something like That's that. it. That's exactly what I was hoping Craig was going to say the same. I think that uh, we made a conscious effort to try and build up our, our Bandcamp and where we still are doing the worldwide releases, we always try and give something a little bit unique to the Bandcamp. Yeah, something could come up with the idea for USB chips. Yeah, and we've we've done like you know what, what, what different products have we done, Craig? As USB, the Nexus album that Adam was on, that was a USB, yeah. and you could only buy it on a USB for the first few months. So if people wanted it, they would have to get the USB. But then it was more of an incentive because you're getting you're getting you're getting something to hold in your hand rather than a digital release you might forget about. We've done it in like. Not intentionally, but the bags I got with it, they were like wheat bags. It was like we were selling, we were selling music drawers. That's what some, <laughs> some people's feedback was. It was like, I've just bought a drawer of music. So it was like, <laughs> holding your hand, do you know what I mean? It was like a product. Yeah. You've got a, got a really cool metal USB with the album on. So yeah. it was a bit more than your average digital download that you'd forget about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that's something... I was going to say sorry. I that think we released Genotype yeah. album that way as well. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. So we've done we've done a few LPs with the USB idea. Yeah, because like I said, it's something you've got there, and then it's like that's something you can stumble across like in the future and be like, oh look, I found. <laughs> yeah, you might have this as well. Uh, yeah. Uh, we about, uh, yeah. We yeah, done so we, we're done now for the bank. I'm still available. Go cop that. Features lots of artists. You got a copy, yeah? I've not actually got. I've not. I've not got physical. Physical actually. We're gonna have to send you one, bro. Sorry. We're gonna have to send you one, man. Oh, good. We're gonna, we'll send you one. It's all good. Um, um, okay. Okay then. Um, get back to your question in terms of what. And I would also say what I've seen a trend with new artists is eager to share everything. Like, if you've done a tune, keep it to yourself. Don't, like, plaster it all down cloud, Facebook, Instagram, straight away. Before you've even spoke to any labels, straight away, as a label, if I've seen something's been shared on SoundCloud and it's had, like, a million plays before you've even sent it for consideration for release that's straight away a no even if the tune's good so what that does it kills the sales because if we then don't release that track for a year and people remember that it's been plastered all over the internet that, that's an old tune they don't want it Yeah. so my advice was to new producers is get a batch get a body of music that you're happy with put it in a folder don't share it with all your mates share it with labels get it signed first and then the label will then distribute it and do it the right way so I see so many kids that I get it they're eager the platform's there just post it but you're not going to get signed that way and I think I, I speak for a lot of label managers when I say that if, if you're plastering your music and giving it to 100 DJs before you try to get it signed you're not going to get signed not for that track anyway so yeah get a body of music together and send that to labels get yourself signed and let them do the promotion side of it couldn't agree with you anymore there yeah I think everyone's just after, the, after that dopamine hit aren't they they just get it and it's just I want people to like it you know especially now would, now more yeah, than ever to be fair 
I'd say do that with tunes you want to like build your SoundCloud up with. Say you've got a tune you want to do a free download because you've got 2,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, by all means, but not a tune you want to get signed. Because hmm. every label, I'm sure anyone watching this who's got a label will be nodding their head. If you've been sent a tune and then you look at it, it's a SoundCloud link. A million people have already played it and downloaded it. Yeah. Not gonna, we're not going to release that, are we? Like, it's just common knowledge. Makes sense. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'll uh, just say, yeah, get body of work together. I'll choose which labels you'd want to be released on. Make a list. So, oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's all right. You, 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 we've got your audio. Uh, yeah, just, yeah, get your body of work together and and send it to your favourite labels and wait and see see what they say before you hand it out willy-nilly. You could be shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. No, make okay then so finally where can everyone get hold of you we'll start with Sam are you uh, socials facebook.com Sam Calm I've got my own artist page uh, at DJ Calm and um, also Instagram but you know best way probably email us at Nurtured Beats DMB at hotmail.co.uk.com. Stop commenting.com. Yeah. For music, check out the Nurtured Beats recordings Bandcamp. Um, we'd invite because you'll get bits on there that you're not going to get on the other stores, and it's cheaper. <laughs> there you go. Incentive, if any. You'll get yeah, you can message us on the, the Nurtured Beats SoundCloud as well, but we might be a bit slower to to get back. Best ways email. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, in regard to the Bandcamp purchases as well, don't forget that obviously Bandcamp are waiving their fees on Fridays. I think for like the next couple yeah. more weeks. Sure. So if you obviously if you want to be supporting these guys, uh, obviously in, in this time that's probably the best time and best way to buy your music. And personally, that's pretty much you know th- that's the first way I try to buy my music before I start to look anywhere else these days. To be honest with you. Um, well, I just find buying music like me. I won't buy an MP3 if they. There's a WAV there. So with Bandcamp, the WAV is the same price as an MP3, so it's a no-brainer. Yeah, exactly. There is another store, other stores, if you want a WAV album, it could be six quid, where you can get the same thing for three quid on Bandcamp. Yeah. And they're WAVs. <laughs> exactly. No, completely with you. Um, myself, all my socials, pretty much, short or underscore UK, or short or UK together. Um, outside of that, um, I'll put, obviously I'll put all of our details in the description of this um outside of that i want to thank you guys very much any uh, any shout outs or tidbits before we go just um shout out everyone who's been supporting the label yeah um lizzie uh and you know all the artists from down the years who yeah. contributed including yourself bro hey <laughs> <laughs> What's looking forward to more that yeah 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 no no yeah, you said it now I'm recording yeah no that's it I'm on blast now like <laughs> in the future like do you remember what you said a year ago you were going to do this oh, alright alright yeah. alright cool alright well thank you very much guys take time sometimes cool. yeah, right. always man thank you very much guys uh, thanks for everyone listening um, and we'll catch you in the next one alright see you